This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 95 of Stacey West Podcast. Uh, I'm Ben as ever, Gary is always there. How are you getting on? You called me my good man last time and now you've said I'm always there like a wart or something. (laughs) Well, you know, in the, in the nicest possible way, Gary. Yeah. I'm well, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, thanks. It's been an expensive couple of days, though. Very expensive what, couple of days. New Man United kit out, is it? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly what it is. <laughs> is it blue? That was episode <laughs> 95 of the Stacey West Podcast. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Sorry, tell us about the uh, the, the gizmos yeah. and things you've been spending your hard earned on. Yeah, well, it's you know you you, you mentioned it in because you know behind but behind the curtain inside baseball, all the rest of it. This is the second time we've started, um, but yeah, uh, it's it's you know we we said a while ago we needed to know the price of the PS Five. PS Five has finally been priced, and then they kind of dropped all the pre orders on everybody and went, yeah, there you go. We're not going to give you any time, so uh, I had to scramble around finding my credit card last night and then they released a new whole load of graphics cards today as well so yeah expensive couple of days very expensive couple of days so uh if anybody would like to donate any food parcels let me know well i bought some strawberries earlier oh good ones maybe well yeah i mean i made a milkshake out of them they're always good when you crush them up with ice cream and sugar that's a very fair point very fair point indeed but uh no as um yeah, it's all you know, keeping as as well as we can do, I guess. Um, I mean, it, it's always always helped along when you get two impressive wins on the trot, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a uh, it's been a good week's football. I mean, I think yeah, we we sort of said off air that Oxford's kind of been done. I mean, we're coming out on a Friday. It's you know six days later, but it was certainly a great start to the league season. Um, in you know, seeing a very different side. 
to Lincoln City, seeing the kind of the resolute defending and the you know, the matching an opponent um, at their game or the dealing with an opponent's threat rather than just delivering our own. And I think I've spoken before that you know, much of Michael's approach seemed geared towards what we were going to do with the ball. So I think it was really nice to see what we could do without the ball for a change. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like we say, we don't want to, don't want to dwell on Oxford for too long, but I think it was. Uh, I think that was going to be the real test. Um, you know, particularly, I think we both said last week that it was among the most difficult of starts that you could have gotten uh, to the to the league campaign. And ultimately, you know, I thought we looked really strong. You know, getting a, a nice early goal and then coming away from it two 0 winners. Absolutely no complaints uh, from from me. I thought we did. I thought we did really well, and you know, defended resolutely i think the the correct wording is um yeah fantastic performance um it was really difficult to pick a man of the match but i think uh, alex palmer potentially took it for me for the sole reason of that double save at the end because i think uh you know going into the last 5 or 10 minutes 2-1 up would have been a very very different game um from both our point of view and from oxford's point of view really i think he he really kept us out of it um and then you know proceeded to keep another clean sheet on Tuesday night, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, a hell of a lot of positives to take from from last Saturday. I mean, obviously, you know, any game where you take three points, there's probably some positives to take from it. But um, I thought the team really started to to show that they were clicking. I think you know they, they started to put some good moves together when we did have the ball, because obviously Oxford. I think the um, the comments after the game were that. I think uh, you know the Oxford manager decided to to announce that uh, he thought that they dominated the game and that they should have taken a lot more from it. But I I don't think that was the case at all. I mean, did did you see those comments at all? Or yeah, Carl Robinson's a well-known Jebin, though, isn't he? Um, <laughs> the other comments he is though he is. I mean, I've got. Absolutely no time for him at all. I know he's been an exciting young coach and he's been off and he's done this and he's done that. But, you know, for me, he came out, I think, today or yesterday in the Oxford News and said that, that it irked him that they got to Sinsel Bank and there was no running water in their changing rooms because of social distancing. Obviously, there's now a porter cabin um, over to one side of the ground. Well, that's Corona. Um, that's that's yeah. kind of the new norm. And he's... You know, he's moaning about that, saying oh, opponents who come to our ground will get the same treatment. And he didn't say that, you know, he didn't come out and criticise Lincoln, but he was quite obviously pointed in what he was saying. And then he was made to look a bit of a bit of a fool with it because James Henry um, said, you know, there was no problem, really. We didn't have any running water, but that's what you can expect. We're lucky that we've got the facilities. So you see, that's why I call Carl Robinson a Jebin, because the same situation has been interpreted two different ways by two members of Oxford staff. You know, James Henry has accepted that's the way it is. And you know, we, we can't start plumbing in taps when we might actually not have to um, be separated like that for two for, for many months. Um, mm. And they're lucky that their facilities are allow them to do that. And Carl Robinson sees it as a slight, doesn't he? And at the end of the day, you know. He was getting really angry and animated to get with his side. And in an empty ground, you know, he is the crowd. The staff are the crowd. I know our directors made a lot of noise, but the Oxford crowd, the only thing Oxford will hear in, in, is encourage, from encouragement is from their staff. So with him jumping up and down mm. and ranting and playing the bloody Steve Evans 
role on the side, that's only going to serve to frustrate his players. I think he even said that we played negatively um, and we wouldn't have done it in a full stadium. So the empty stadium played into our hands because our crowd wouldn't have allowed us to play so negatively. Jog on. Michael Appleton isn't a fool. He's not going to play. He's not. He's not going to play the game to the crowd. I mean, as you know, I name dropped last week. I'll do it again. I chatted to him on Monday and he basically said we knew what we were doing. We played deeper and more defensive than we would have to, but we watched Oxford and Wimbledon in the cup uh, from the week before and and Oxford were very narrow and at any one time they tended to have five, six, seven players in the width of the six yard area in like a channel down the middle of the park. Mm. So if you just, if you, if you, you know, it's like if you've got one place where you can get a car, think of Sinsel Bank trying to get a car down the street where there's cars either side. If you just stick one in the middle of the road, nothing can get through. And that's what we did. We just stuck a car in the middle of the goal and nobody got through. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, it, it worked. It you know ultimately it worked. And I think that the only really potential of the talking point from the game might be the red card at the end. Um, I think. I, I think my view was initially quite similar to your view in that it, it looked probably a bit harsh. But when you when I look back at it, I think it, the argument is there that his his foot's quite high. That you know initially, and he, he's he's lost control a little bit in the tackle. So I think. From my point of view, I think that's that's the obvious reason as to why it was, you know, considered a red card. Um, but ultimately, I, I don't know whether their appeal is going to be successful. Well, you know, I, I, it has I been. don't know. Yeah, it's I, been rescinded. Has it? Oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, it was rescinded. Yeah, it was rescinded like two days later. Oh, okay. Well, I did not realise that. But yeah, that's uh, that's come as a bit of a surprise. But you can, I can see why it was given. It's actually worked. Um, it's, ultimately, it's know. actually worked in their favour. It's actually worked in their favour because it was a booking and the lad was already on a booking. So if he'd been booked, he would have been sent off, rightly mm. so. They couldn't appeal a second booking and he would have been banned for a game. But because he was shown a straight red and they've rescinded the straight red, he's, he actually gets away with it. But it's not a red card. I mean, I didn't think the referee had a bad game, um, to be honest. Apart booking Sean Rowan was a bit soft. Um, but I thought largely had a decent game. It was a promising start from, I think, an experienced championship ref. Stats were interesting, though. We only played, we only managed to play um, 276 passes and our pass accuracy was as low as 69%. When you actually look at the stats, it doesn't look like we played that well. Um, our XG was only 0.47, even though we scored twice. So, yeah. I, 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 you know, it's it something just go to show that I, I like stats, um, but I think it does go to show one that sometimes stats don't tell us the whole story. But also, secondly, that um, you know we we can grind out and we can fight, and that was something we were worried about. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the that's the biggest takeaway from you know from from last weekend, in my opinion. But I mean, it then moved on to uh, to, to to Tuesday night and. Uh, I don't think anybody could have predicted a, a five mil route, really. Um, particularly not being four nil up at half time. I mean, uh, dare I ask the question of how much of the game, or at least the first half, you actually caught? Yeah, I missed twenty eight minutes. Right. So that was how many goals? Two. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, to to come away from Bradford, I, I think it was a you know, it was another game where we really showed 
that I don't think there was any mercy in the team. You know, we we sort of kept going and you know, kept pressing and pressing, and uh, it was just another dominating performance. I think it was, uh, you know, there was no there was no real letting up to you know to anything that um, Bradford wanted to throw at us. And let's be honest, I don't really think they had a whole lot to throw at us in the first place, did they? Oh, I disagree a little bit, um, which is sure to surprise you. Um, but um, basically, I, I thought in the second half, I thought Bradford were a lot better. Um, mm, yeah. The first half, we, we were utterly ruthless against quite a weak side. You know, defensively, they were very poor. The own goal, their lad should have done much better with it. Scully's goal, you know, should maybe be blocking the shot from the Grandals um, rather than it finding its way to Scully and react quickest. Defensively, you could probably mark Monsma better for the third, but I mean, what a touch! You know, the more I watch that goal mm. back, that's a that's a footballer's goal. It's a lovely little goal. Um, absolutely no legislative James Jones's goal. I mean, what a strike that is! That's that's some goal. Um, and we could have scored. You know, I think Scully um, had a great chance to make it uh, either four nil or five nil. I can't remember if it came before or after James Jones's one on one. Probably our best chance of the half. It could have been five nil at half time, and Bradford were at that point, you know, utterly, utterly beaten. You know, they were they were on their ass. Um, but then I think in the second half, I think things were things were particularly different. Um, I thought Bradford came out looking stronger. I thought they came out looking more organised. Um, and it's interesting when you kind of look at the stats of the second half compared to the first half. You know, they played more passes than us. They had a better pass success rate than we did. Um, they had eight shots compared to our five in the second half. Our XG in the second half was 0.1, which means we could have played 10 halves of football and scored one goal, whereas Bradford's was 0.83. They had more possession than we did. Um, so actually, in the second half, I think I think we did sit off a little bit. I think that we, um, whether that was purposeful or not, I think that you know, when you've got so many games in such a, period, a long period of time and you're falling up at half time, there isn't a lot of fear that you're going to lose the game. Um, so I think we could be forgiven for for kind of be playing off the ball uh, a little bit. So um, yeah, I thought uh, you know it was it was a heartening fixture I think for us, wasn't it? And obviously mm. um, we know what it what it kind of leads to. I mean, Mike, you, you picked him up man of the match for Oxford. You said Alex Palmer, and for me, it's probably TJ Ioma um, in in the Oxford game. I thought TJ had a really good game again against Bradford. Thought both uh, the fullbacks did, but TJ I think offers a little bit more physically than Max. Um, but the real you know, the game was won and lost probably for me um, in uh, in the midfield position uh, with Jones and McGrandles. Thought McGrandles was excellent. I think he'll be a massively underrated player for us. I think he'll be when I say the Alex Woodyard figure, and I don't want to draw the people who kind of. You know, think I've got my Alex Woodyard cut out from the same place you've got your Harry Toffolo one from. <laughs> um, but he'll be that sort of figure, a little bit more attacking, more forward thinking, but he'll do an awful lot of running and an awful lot of work that doesn't always get um, get recognised, I think. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. I think, uh, I, I just think it was a, it was one of those, sort of special nights I think obviously you know we know what it we know what it means to us as a club the to, to play Bradford um and I think um to have that you know to have that win come about in the way that it did uh, I thought it was you know a very sort of 
not necessarily a fitting end to the night, but it was definitely a, a special night. And I think, uh, yeah, it's obviously going to lead to possibly what could be another special night next week. That's a terrible segue, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely awful. Yeah, really bad. <laughs> right. Sorry. Um, of course, it's, it's not. <laughs> you didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, we said we'd brush over the Oxford game, not the Bradford game. We've kind of brushed over the Bradford game and moved in past past the um, past past the, the next league game and into. He basically committed the what I would say is a Lynx FM style um, faux pas there, to be honest. Well, no, because I mean we're actually talking about Lincoln City, so yeah. <laughs> well, they've been asking people, haven't they? They've been looking for Lincoln City super fans. Apparently, <clears throat> yeah, of course they have. Anyway, um, but yeah, you know, we'll we'll move into you know we'll obviously we'll talk about that later, but we will uh, move into uh, talk about it now, time. Ben. You you segued into it. Talk about it now. Oh, but it was a terrible segue, and we all know it. So we might yeah, as well talk about but it. But he's prim. It's Premier League, so you might know some of the players. <laughs> um. Absolute arsehole. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, go on. Let's talk about MK. Go on, then. Yeah, so obviously MK this weekend. Um, I think, you know, all joking aside, it's easy to get lost when you get the big games. It's easy to forget the league games. And, um, you know, when, if you remember our FA Cup run, you know, all of the, the smart-ass fans, um, like myself, every time we got a big draw, would be like, yeah, but we've got Boreham Wood next, or, you know, such and such. North Ferriby, more more important than Arsenal, rather get a win at North Ferriby than Arsenal. Um, which, you know, in terms of functionality, of course you would, because you would rather be higher up the league because the cup runs don't bring you, you know, we're not going to win the League Cup. So, you know, the cool kids will all be saying they'd rather beat MK Dons and get hammered by Liverpool. Now the club would probably be, you know, would probably rather just win both, <laughs> which is fairly <laughs> obvious. Yeah. Um, you know, it's tough, isn't it? It's, it's tough. So we go, we go to MK. It's going to be hard not to have one eye on the Liverpool tie. And that's even without fans in the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, it's harsh that, um, that, that people are going to miss out on it. it. It kind of does prevent the sort of, you know, who's a better fan than who argument that always comes with the big games. But there'll be none of that against Milton Keynes. We can't go there either. Um, This is a golden opportunity for us to have six points from six. And look, last season proved um, beyond doubt that a good start can set you up for you know, four or five months, it can certainly set you up for a bad run post or pre-Christmas. Mm. You know, we had a we had a poor run October, November last year, but the footing that we'd gotten ourselves on from the early days helped keep us away from the relegation spots. We had a good run over Christmas that added to it. So, so look, I mean, I, this is a winnable game and I think um, I don't want to be disrespectful to Milton Keynes, um, but I think that they have had quite a tough summer, you know, had they not lost Joe Walsh, and he weren't injured, obviously, um, mm-hmm. he'd be playing. I think had they not lost Conor McGrandles, he would be playing. Reese Healy moved to Toulouse, he would be playing. Um, if you take mm-hmm. away uh, their their game against Northampton in the in the EFL Trophy, because you can't, you know, it's hard to kind of talk about those games as being anything other than than kind of one offs. But they, they weren't brilliant against Doncaster. It was a dour game. It was one all. 
Um, they're playing at the minute up top with Carlton Morris and Sam Nomby. Um, Sam Nomby's a young lad that's come through their academy. Hasn't scored an awful lot of goals. He might he might have scored, I think, against Northampton the other day. Um, but he hasn't scored an awful lot. I think six in 41. Carlton Morris has had loan spells with Oxford, York, Hamilton, Rotherham, Shrewsbury, and twice with MK Dons um, from Norwich. But again, he's, you know, he's a player that isn't really filling his potential. Um, you look across the rest of their team, Regan Paul is a player I did like. He was a former Man United kid who was at Newport alone. He's playing right wing back for them in a 3-5-2. Uh, they played a different formation uh, against uh, Coventry in the Carabao Cup. Um, but again, you know, the bigger bigger opposition, etc. So I think they'll be 3-5-2. Wing, a lot, a lot is then reliant on those wing backs. I'd actually preferred Paul at centre-back, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, they do still have Jordan Houghton. He plays kind of at the heart of the, the, the midfield, um, probably in what would be classed as the Brid Cup role for us. He's a player that I quite rate. Uh, they've got a lad on loan, uh, Sorensen as well, who, who's quite an unknown quantity, but he came off, I think, on 70 minutes against uh, Doncaster. Interesting at the back, Dean Lewington. I mean, Dean Lewington is literally older than Jesus. He's been playing, and he looks like him as well. He's like a ginger <laughs> Jesus. Um <coughs> I quite like Lewington. He always used to play left back, still wears the number three shirt. He's been playing central defence for him now, which makes sense given that um, you know he's probably lost the legs for full back a little bit. So there's going to be uh, an awful lot for Tom Hopper to do. I would imagine that Hopper will probably start number nine. Um, Lewis, Lewington will be looking to keep him quiet, but those other two centre-backs will make it really hard through the centre. Um, so it's all going to be about a wing play again. Now, last season, I used to talk about how three-five-two was something we struggled to play against because we couldn't get in behind. And a lot of that depends on the opposition's wing-backs. Um, now, if their wing-backs are proper up and down, then it might be hard for us to find some space in a similar way for that it was for Oxford. Um, so it's mm. going to be interesting. So yeah, it's, I think it's a good time to play Milton Keynes again because with the transfer window, I think they're a team who will be looking to recruit um, sooner rather than later. They've certainly got a little bit of money to spend. Uh, they're a team that I think I tipped to be quite low down in the division. They are underperforming on their XG. They're at the moment 1.6 to 1.33, but it's there or thereabouts. Um, for me, this... you know. If we come away from Saturday's game and we've got six points on the board, it, it just yeah, it gives every keeps everybody's kind of confidence up. Go, you know, whatever happens with Liverpool, your Charlton at home next weekend is a really tough game as well. These are the sorts of games that an established League One side that we profess to be, or we certainly want to be by the end of the season. These are the sort of games that you win because Milton Keynes dons. I would expect us to finish above them, and if you expect to finish above a team, you expect to be able to beat that team. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Can't can't disagree with you with anything you said there. I think that the fact is that, you know, like you stated, MK at the minute are very clearly a, a team sort of kind of in transition in terms of the, you know, the squad sort of, we've managed to get our business done relatively quickly over the summer and it looks like they've taken probably a little bit longer than they would have liked to. So, um, yeah, I... It's one of those games when you you don't want to sort of say, "Oh, I'm confident about it. Oh, I'm going to go and we're going to win." But like, I I think given the displays that we've seen so far, I'm I'm really liking what this you know what the team are doing at the moment, what the squad are doing. So, um, yeah, going in 
feeling quite confident on uh, for Saturday. But, I'm interested. I'm um, interested in um, a couple of players that they have. They've got a lad from Scotland called Daniel Harvey who plays um, left back. He moved there, I think, in the summer. He was at Air United and started at Aberdeen. Um, how he does is going to be really interesting. You know, they they also have players like Scott Fraser who has been classed as a as kind of a big signing for them. Um, he um, he was at Burton Albion, I think, but he was linked with the likes of Sunderland over the summer. Now, at the moment, and I might be wrong, but I, he didn't play this weekend, so I think he's yet to make an appearance for, for MK Dons. So he could be mm. interesting. Uh, and there is also, I thought they'd signed Ben Reeves. I might be wrong about that because I can't see him on their squad list. But I was certain that I'm going to actually Google it. That's uh, that's something that I don't often do on this show. Um, yeah, I still thought they... No, he signed for Plymouth Argyle. Okay, well, there we go then. That's mm. absolutely... Oh, no, was he released by MK Dons? <laughs> yeah, that's where I've got him wrong. I've gone the wrong <laughs> way around. Um, but still, Scott Fraser is a big signing for them. He probably is the replacement for Conor McGrandles. Um, so if he plays Houghton plays, you've got Paul Lewington, they do have some experience. I just can't see him scoring a lot of goals. Even Kieran Agard, who had a decent season in League Two a couple of years ago, um, isn't a player who, who seems to be in and around the goals. Replacing uh, Reese Healy is massive. I mean, you remember Healy scored the goal for them at our place earlier in the year. Probably Reese Healy was the factor that stopped them being relegated. He moved there permanently in January. Um, had he not done that, I think, you know, we could well have been playing Tranmere tomorrow, not MK Dons. So I've got a couple of friends who are Dons fans. I don't want to be too scathing of them. Um, I know that, you know, the team itself provokes all sorts of reactions from different people. I've kind of moved beyond that franchise FC thing now. Excuse me. I just think we're, you know, we're kind of better than that. I'll tell you what annoys me about that, Ben, actually, yeah. while we're on the case. Yeah. People get mad about what happened mm-hmm. with MK Dons, correct? So mm-hmm. they stole Wimbledon, they stole a club, they're a franchise. Some of those same people are then happy to sit and watch Arsenal. Now, Arsenal were originally based in Woolwich and they were called the Royal Arsenal and they relocated in exactly the same way that um, MK Dons did. And I'm not sure whether they took over another team, but they moved away. They were like a franchise from one area to another. So... Just because it happened several hundred or a hundred years later or whatever, is that any reason for um, for differentiation? I would probably argue that it is, but so time is the healer. So um, at what point is it no longer offensive that MK Don stole Wimbledon when compared to I mean, other I, teams? I th- I think when it comes to MK, a lot of the problems are that. Um, that there was this assumption that you know when they when they moved over to uh, sort of take over Wimbledon, if you like, they they acquired the you know the uh, the club history in terms of the the trophies won and stuff like that. Whereas now that that's gone back, I wonder if that's going to be the thing that people will start to use as a, a bit of a healer. I mean, obviously you're still going to have dickheads saying, "Oh, you've got no history forever," but I think that's that's a start of it. Is that you know they are now a new club rather than a club that is trying to live off the past successes of, of Wimbledon. I just think I, I, for me, as soon as Wimbledon came back into the football league, 
that rivalry is fantastic, absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. And don't get me wrong, look, when um, when it first happened and Milton Keynes started hosting mascot events, I'm sure I've spoken about this before, and I boycotted them all um, because I, I just, you know, I didn't want to be associated with it. I was absolutely disgusted by it. But I just think, you know, so many more things have happened in football since that you know, to hold mm-hmm. that and hold some of the MK Dons fans, they're just football fans. Do you know what? They just want to go and support a football team. They didn't mm. steal the club, the fans that are there. And people talk about them being a you know crap team. And I got, I got in a little bit of a spat the other night on involved because they were the fifth best sported team in League One last season. You know, it's all right. People say, yeah, but you've got a half empty stadium, yada, yada, yada. The fact is they had more fans per game in their stadium than we had in ours. Now, we claim to be a great supported club. We are. If you look at population density, we're probably better. But they were, Milton Keynes were the fifth best supported club in the division. I don't agree with calling them Milton Keynes Dons. That kind of annoys me. They should change themselves to Milton Keynes FC or Milton Keynes Cows or whatever you mm. want to do. Um, <laughs> but for, Milton Keynes Roundabouts. Yeah, yeah. The, there's a nice big IKEA there, and my mate Dave lives in Bletchley, which isn't far from Milton Keynes. He wants to move back up here, obviously, because it's nicer. Um, but I think, yeah, at the end of the day, you look at our Milton Keynes taking Wimbledon's place in the league, is it any worse than Salford City buying their way in or Fleetwood buying their way in? Or Rushton and Diamonds mm. were an amalgamation of teams when they came up. I just, I just, yeah, for me right now, I just think there's far worse things in football than Milton Keynes. It's, what's, what's it been, 15, 15 years or so? Mm. You know, and you've got 18-year-old kids calling them franchise scum who were still picking their nose and eating it when it actually happened. So I just... <laughs> Some people still do that when they're 35, Gary. Yeah, do that. Sorry, Ben, I didn't realise, mate. Well, I'm 34, so it doesn't count for me. <laughs> I do, you know, I, 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 I get that football's about, and I hesitate to say banter because that's basically just being a prick, but it's kind of about <laughs> finding reasons to give each other stick and we'll call MK Don's franchise and we'll sing the songs about it. But, you know, if I meet an MK Don's fan and I've got no, a couple of them, I don't look at them and think you don't support a real football club. Because, you know, mm. they do. So, yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, I mean, are we, are we going to predict? Are we going to predict Saturday? I think we did last weekend, and we both said that a draw would be a good result against Oxford, and we came away with three points. But uh, what do you reckon? I'm getting carried away. I'm going to say two nil to City. I can buy into that one. I'll go with that as well. Tom Hopper will score. Yeah. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if one of the centre backs doesn't get on the score sheet again, because I think we we are good at free kicks. I think when it comes to set pieces, our delivery is it, we've got so much threat now because James Jones's ball for um, Adam Jackson's goal, I think uh, against oh, it was beautiful. That was Oxford, wasn't it? it seems a while ago now. Yeah, um, you know that was lovely, George Grant's. Delivery is first rate. And I just think if we get free kicks in and around the box, which was our Achilles heel last year, that's what kept doing us time and again, giving away silly free kicks and conceding from them. And it's almost like, you know, we've taken the thing that makes us weak and we've used it to make us strong. It sounds like a tagline from one of your kids' movies that you watch. Um, but it's that that's it's kind of what we've done though, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? We've, yeah, we've yeah. taken the thing, it's like Superman taking kryptonite and making a nappy out of it and wearing it around everywhere, going, you know, you can't kick me in the balls and now I've got kryptonite on. And that's kind of <laughs> what we've done. And, you know, I made a, I've made a couple of predictions about million pound players and about this and about that. 
is a prediction. By the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if James Jones isn't either player of the year or certainly second or third. And I think, you know, George Grant's delivery is great. So is Jones. I'm told Theo Archibald can smash a ball from outside the area. So can Jones. I'm told Conor McGrandles is mm. one of the best passers of the ball in the final third in this division. So is Jones. He'll weigh in with goals. He'll mm. weigh in with assists. Um, and again, I think, you know, when you've got two or three players that can deliver and they've got different delivery, different feet, different areas, how does a team defend against that? If you've got Jones and, and Grant stood either side of a free kick, are they going to shoot? Are they going to play it for a player to run onto? Are they going to play it away from goal? So, yeah, 2 0, one set piece, and a Tom Hopper tap in after he's battled away with the ginger Jesus for an hour. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I can't see anything other than three points, if I'm honest. And again, that's not being arrogant. It's it's just being you know confident in what's happening at the club at the moment. I think they've got it pretty much spot on. Well, what I would, what I would um, say then is, last year at this time we did a podcast ahead of going to MK Dons on the back of about four wins or three wins and a draw or whatever, uh, and we both said that we would win, and we both said that we couldn't see anything else, and we lost two one. So I can always see the other result. I can always see it being a draw or a defeat for us. You know, if MK got an early goal and shut up shop. I think they're capable of, you know, any team at this level is capable of keeping a clean sheet if they stay on it and play right. Um, so I just hope that we're not giving the club the kiss of death. Ah, we'll be all right. <laughs> um, I remember that. I mean, it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, um, uh, again, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll sort of pay, pay some lip service to the other game in a few minutes, but I think, one thing that probably is it'd be a bit remiss if we didn't talk about it um would be the the sort of the fate of of Macclesfield I know probably springing this on you a little bit because I've just sort of remembered about it myself but um it's it's another instance isn't it of of where things are, are going wrong in football at the moment and I I think there was a um you know I've seen a lot of people like kind of parading around the you know the inflated wages in the Premier League and saying, oh well he could have sacrificed half a week's wages and kept to you know kept Macclesfield alive. But ultimately I, I think that's not the entire problem. Um and ultimately, you know, it's not gonna be it, it's difficult to kind of put your finger on exactly where the problems start with with you know with these situations. Um and it is desperately sad desperately sad to see clubs going out of business and unfortunately you know it's a club that we've got links with um in terms of Keith and Butch but it's uh it's hard to know what to say at this point isn't it yeah we you know there are connections with Macclesfield um like you say with Keith and Butch I don't it's, it's tough because i Whilst I'm, whilst I'm kind of half fond of the club, I, I think um, you know, it's, it, I don't want to sound out of tune. It's not the same sort of relationship with Bradford. It's you know we we have yes, we have yeah. a shared pain, let's say. Um, yes, but not not to that sort of level. I I still remember the, the, the Battle of Moss Rose and and that kind of angle from Macclesfield as well. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, they're a team that in my lifetime have always been there, and many you know many supporters will will think back to 1988, and then you know that was the first time we really played them on a 
um, in, late, in the conference and then they came up. But, you know, that's my first season. So Macclesfield have always kind of been a team. Yeah, it's desperately sad whenever any football club um, is taken from the heart of the community. Always one of the poorest supported clubs in the area. Uh, in the division, mm. you know, massively impacted by the fact that there are far bigger clubs within a 30-mile radius that kind of draw from the supporters. Uh, could be the same, you know, if, if Leeds and Forest and um, trying to think of another big club without saying something like Hull, which would be ridiculous. But if like the, the likes <laughs> of Leeds and Forest and Derby were, you know, were 15 miles closer to us, maybe they would they would kind of water down our support pool as well over over history. What I would say is... You know, bad ownership isn't um, isn't new. I was talking about Arsenal earlier. I actually did a little bit of research while we've been talking, and uh, they they were actually close to bankruptcy by 1910. So, money problems within football has always been an issue, and you know, it gets spoken about as if it's a modern issue. Um, probably because there's more money in football now, so there's kind of maybe a reason for it. But clubs have gone broke throughout time. It isn't modern. It isn't um, new. You know, football has always been about the haves and the have-nots. Um, it's always been about those that can spend can do well, and sometimes they overspend. That hasn't really been the case at Macclesfield. It's just really, really rubbish management um, from the board level. They're not the only ones, are they? You know, we talk about Berry going bust, Bolton nearly going bust, Charlton, no one knows what's going on, Wigan going into bankruptcy. Talk about teams that have been close to the brink and then come back. And again, Berry were one, Darlington were one. Obviously, Darlington dropped out of the league. We were close there to the brink and that wasn't through bad ownership or anything. So um, it's sad to see a team go, but I think that there can be, when they do, the virtue signalling sickens me a little at times. You know, the, the all for mm. one and one for all at this level is not the case. It's not. Mm. Supporters are all the same, but, you know, we're not all in it together. And whilst we can wring our hands, you know, there's also reasons that Macclesfield are where they are. Um, there's, you know, if you go back, they, they seasons where they have spent well, they're not particularly well supported. You know, when they came up from the National League, which was a great achievement for them, they weren't in the right shape to continue in the Obviously lost John Askey. I think it was harsh that they were um, bundled out of the league. I think that it was a manufactured relegation. And I think now you can see why. I think the EFL could probably see what was happening and did whatever they could to get rid of them. But the lessons won't be learned. you know. So, yeah, of course, it's sad to see what some fans will call one of our brothers going. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in reality, that that isn't the case. They've been badly managed for a long while. And people say, well, the, the EFL should step in and do something, but what can they do? It's a member club. What do they do when when the, when the, the guy takes them over? Do they say, right, no, you're not fit and proper. No one else takes them over and they go bust. Do they say he's fit and proper? How do you make him pay the wages? There's a similar situation at Oldham, isn't there? And I mean, a much bigger club, but they've got that, that owner there who you know, doesn't want to pay the wages half the time and buys his own players in and all that sort of stuff. Um, what I would say about Macclesfield is they were a decent side last year and I think Sol Campbell did a decent job with them um, and then I think I can't remember who took them over but did another decent job there's some good players like Theo Archibald but unfortunately football is there's a food chain and a life cycle and I do have sympathy mm. for teams that go but yeah, it is what it is isn't it mm. yeah well um 
Okay, then. I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we are going to record on Wednesday next week and, and sort of do a full preview as much as we can uh, before next week's game. But it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting time. It's the first time um, that I, well, the first time that I will have seen uh, what I would, well, the champions of England, I think is, you know, the easiest way of putting it. And of course the world champions as well, let's not forget. But um, I've been trying to find out if it is the first time that Lincoln City have played the champions of England competitively. And I don't know. So I, I'm guessing that you found this out. Yeah. Because I mean, you're going to show me up. Yeah. The thing is, Ben, that's very kind of you because obviously you do know because I told you off air. Um <laughs> <laughs> so it's very good. And in terms of <laughs> in terms of the champions of England, it depends because if you're talking about non-competitively, obviously we played, for instance, Forest. I think in a friendly while they were reigning champions. So it's certainly not the first time that reigning champions mm. have played against Lincoln. Um, it's the first time that the reigning champions have come to Sintel Bank, and I made a bit of an error on Twitter and kind of posed the question that you know when was the last time? But it, we actually played the reigning champions of England in 1890. Uh, so the very first football league season was 1888-89 and Preston North End won the division. Uh, we then entered the FA Cup at something like the third qualifying round, uh, played two Nottingham teams, if I remember my research correctly. One of them was something like Nottingham Olympic, uh, two other ties, and then we got to play the great Preston North End of the era, um, losing 4-0 at Deepdale. Uh, Preston were runaway leaders of, of Division 1, as it was then. I think it was the only division at the time. Uh, and they won it again at the end of the season. Uh, so in actual fact, mm-hmm. uh, Preston North End uh, were Lincoln's opponents whilst they were reigning champions and as they went on, when they went on to be uh, champions. So there's the answer to your question. Well, there we go. You see, so definitely didn't know that before the podcast. We definitely not set that one up. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So um, it's quite exciting, isn't it? You know, we've obviously it. It's the first time that we've got you know something like this happening in in quite a while at Sinsel Bank. I mean, obviously, we had Everton last year, um, which was a big get, but. Ultimately, you know, it's when you when you think of the big four, you know, or the big clubs in in uh, in the Premier League, you think Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, and probably at this point, Man City. I mean, I know Kev, you know, Kev Barwise would probably immediately jump to Man City, or everybody that that follows a Premier League team would would jump to theirs. But I think you you get that idea of a top four, and you know, to have one of the big four come to Central Bank, I think, has been something that everybody's wanted for years. And annoyingly, it's happened at a time when we can't be in the ground to watch it. So um, it's it's disappointing, but at the same time, it's exciting. I mean, obviously, the game's been picked for Sky, so the club are going to get some money from it. Um, the Charlton game has been moved to Sunday, so you know we can play the game on Thursday and, and get that on the telly. But... Um, yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be. It's going to be an interesting one. Like I say, we'll do a full preview next week. Um, but yeah, any any initial thoughts on it? Gary? Yeah, a few. Um, I think <laughs> you're quite right. Yeah, it's the first 
huge draw that we've had in a long, long while now. I'm I'm a bit more of a traditionalist. For me, the big five will always have always been um, Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Everton, and Spurs. Growing up, that was kind of what was classed as the big five. And obviously, we played Spurs in 82-83 in the League Cup. Everton last year, but obviously their their star has kind of fallen now. And you would probably say Chelsea, Man City, Man United, Liverpool and Arsenal. Um, possibly now. I don't know. Uh, but it's, you know... You always want the draw. You always think you know you want the big club at your place. And we got Arsenal in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup a couple of years ago. Huge draw, but away from the ground. We Burnley was Premier League but away from the ground. You know, I think we pointed out that before Everton, the last Premier League club to come here in comp- competitive action. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was Crystal Palace um, in uh, the nineties, and I think or Southampton maybe. Southampton in night. I know there was Southampton. And then it was Palace before that. Was Sunderland not no, in Sunderland, Sunderland Premier League when they came up? They were Championship when they right. came. I think they won the Championship that year. Man City were Championship when they came here and were relegated, obviously, the following year. Um, but when you talk about the teams that we're warming and are in about, you know, Crystal Palace, Southampton, um, you know, without being rude, you're talking lower end Premier League, like when we went away to Fulham, for instance. Yeah. Well, it's the fact that you've got to remember, like, were they in the Premier League? Yeah. It's like that. That's where you you sort of have to make that thought. You, you you don't have that with Liverpool, Arsenal, Man United. Um, and, you know, they're they're, right. pro- they're probably the big three, aren't they? They're probably the ones mm. that if you get any of those three in the in the FA Cup or the League Cup, you've got a good draw. And going back through time, we haven't. We've never had a draw of this size. So it's desperately sad that people are not allowed in the ground. Of course, it is. Um, it's great for the club. I would believe that Liverpool will probably play a strong side, not an under-23 side. And by strong, I don't mean first-team players. That won't happen. Um, but they will probably play uh, a good long list. The likes of um, Origi, who obviously scored in the Champions League final. Uh, I think uh, a Liverpool friend of mine suggested a list of players that we would be likely to see. I don't know if I've got that to hand. Um, but I know Origi was one of them. I know Oxlade Chamberlain, I think he thought we might see. Um, is it Matic? Mapic? Ma- I don't know. I'm not a Premier League fan, you might tell me. Um, Joel Matic? <laughs> is that it, Joel Matic? It's such a dick. Uh, I don't know. So, if I'm honest, I, I, yeah, there's good... I don't watch that much Premier League football. No, no, you don't. I know. Only, 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 <laughs> the team, only one team in red. They only play each other twice a week, don't they? Uh, twice a season. Um, so he's actually put Adrian, Neko Williams, Tiskmingas, whoever he is, Matic, Milner, Shakiri, Chamberlain, Origi, Brewster, maybe Harry Wilson. You know, Shakiri, great player. If they play those players, they'll be big. They'll be strong enough to beat us. But if they come here and they don't really fancy it, and they're in a bit of an empty stadium, and you know, I'm not saying we can beat Liverpool, but on any given night, eleven v eleven. We proved in 2016-17 anything can happen. We beat Burnley. You know, other teams have proven it over time. So, And the League Cup isn't averse to a few shocks. Remember Andy Warrington, our former goalkeeper coach? I mean, he kept goal for York mm. City when they beat Manchester United in this competition. Yeah, they beat Man United, didn't they? Yeah, you would remember that. Uh, and that's got mm. Cantona. You know, it's Cantona. It was sharp. <laughs> yeah, you know, joking aside, it was a strong Man United side as well. So, yeah. But the big, the big bonus... 
And I'm, I've always been critical of the League Cup because I always say you only get a reward if you get a big draw and your big draw, there's only three or four you can get and you've got to have them at home, not away. All the gods have aligned and you know it's a six-figure sum for the club. And when mm. you think about the money that we potentially lost in the summer, you think about the fact that Michael's working on a budget that, as I understand it, has been reduced by 30 or 40% from last season, you know, getting, and I saw a figure somewhere mm. today of 125,000, don't know how accurate that is, but getting a figure like that, oh potentially a figure like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be huge for the club. I mean, like I said, it... it it's just sad that we can't be there, but ultimately it's the, you know, it's the world that we're living in at the moment and uh, whatever money the club are going to get is going to be fantastic for them. So fingers crossed, you know, we, uh, we can make a few quid from it. So. Imagine if, imagine if we did win though. <laughs> I mean, oh. It's also quite ironic how football works because last year, Liverpool played MK Dons in the competition at this stage of the season at MK Dons. And then we play MK Dons this week. And, and then we play Liverpool. It's just like all these little patterns. Do you know the last time we played Liverpool? Not a clue. It was 1961. We were in the same league as them, you know, for um, for several years through the, you know, when we were championship in uh, not what would be championship. So we actually played them in um, every season, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, and uh, the 60, 61 season. So... Mm. Played him in the FA Cup in 1954-55. Went out 1-0, but we won 4-2 at their place in 55. There's a famous Bert Lineker scoring a hat-trick at uh, Anfield quiz question. Always gets rolled out. Um, And Liverpool, actually, in their their last three trips to Lincoln, uh, have actually lost two and only won one. So history's not on their side. (laughs) Beat them 2-1 in 1955. 2-1 2-1 in 59, uh, in March 59. In November 59, we beat them 4-2. Uh, and in October 1960, we lost 2-1. In fact, yeah, look at that. We've only failed to score against Liverpool in one of our last six meetings. So be fr- be afraid, Jürgen. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But like I said, we'll, we'll have a full preview uh, next week after the MK Dons game. Um, but I think that's probably a fair spot to, to wrap up for the week. Is there anything else that you've got that you want to bring up before we disappear? Don't think so. Probably just apologise to people because we've had a few technical issues um, this evening. We mm. kind of yeah, it's been uh, we, we've had to stop and start recording and all sorts. So if there's volume issues or whatever, I'll try my best to edit it down. But yeah, that'll be the reason. Kind of you know, it's no excuse for the content. I mean. We can only apologise for the uh, the issues surrounding the content. Yeah, but there we go. Exactly. I mean, I'll apologise for that segue earlier because that was fucking dreadful. So. Do you know? I think that's the first time either of us have sworn tonight as well. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, yes. Um, fair one. I think we'll leave it there for the week, and uh, we will see you next Thursday because we will record on Wednesday night ahead of the Indeed. game. All right, guys. See you later. Then. Cheers. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. 
Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.